Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. All right, we're back. It's been a while. It's been it's about be a back, month. Tom. Yeah, it's be 2024 back. is here. MMA Outsiders, back in your life, in the words of Ariel Helwani. And we've got a lot that we've got to get through within the last month because it, Zan, it almost doesn't feel like we were on break for the whole month between what no, breaking news not. stream we did, what special interview, what uh, the award show, the best of. It doesn't really feel like we've been we've been gone for too too long on a break, but we are finally back. We have a lot to recap, a lot that we missed in both the MMA and the boxing worlds. So we'll get into all of that here on the first edition of the MMA MMA Outsiders for 2024. So there's some what we missed stuff. We've got UFC 297 coming up. We got a lot of boxing news that we got to talk about. It should be. It should definitely be a really, really good thing here. However, before we get into today's show, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Make sure to follow us across social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, at MMA Outsiders ETB. Make sure to follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network, Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok at ETB Network. For those who don't know us, to my right, as always, my great co-host, Sam Bando. You can find his work over at BJPen.com and MMA Knockout. And you can follow him on social media at ZamBando99. On Tom Albano, you can find my work over at MMA News and Fanside MMA alongside the, uh, well, I did stuff for the PFL in the 2023 season and hoping that I will be back for 2024, which will be a phenomenal opportunity. And you can find my work on social media at Thomas J. Albano. A couple of different changes however, to our show within the start of the year. Not bad changes, nothing that's going to affect the format, but just some stuff that we need to shout out. So firstly, we need to shout out Wolf Spreads. Now, those of you who watch Empty the Bench uh, Podcast Network programming, namely Football Friday, are familiar with Wolf Spreads. They have been a sponsor of the show. They have presented the show since, I want to say, week eight like late October, and mm-hmm. we've been having a lot of, Sam, I think you you can say the same. We've been having a lot of fun with it when we do the oh, football sure. broadcast. Uh, it's definitely a great way for those who need to get an introduction into the sports gambling side because it's fantasy sports gambling. So it's sports betting. They Their slogan is sports betting like you've never seen it. And you know what? I love it. And friends who love and sports betting for friends who love the action, because it's a good way for you to learn about the aspects of gambling without having to actually gamble. So every week they do competitions every week, you get 2000 fantasy dollars and you can use these fantasy dollars to make fantasy bets, whether it be, you know, betting on the over unders on on a competition, uh, a money line, a spread, you know, against the spread or for the spread, and you get two thousand fantasy dollars to spend throughout the whole week. You get to invite your friends, and whoever wins the most fantasy dollars makes the most fantasy profit uh, wins for that week. So it's a good way to you know get an introduction to gambling, to uh, have sports betting, have a little fun with your friends without actually having to bet anything and lose your house in the process. That's true, and one uh, and one thing I'd like to mention on top of all of that, and this is something that I think I'm the only person that utilizes this, but one one dollar for every competition, you can upgrade to Wolf Spreads Premium and pretty much get um the line, the over under, or the spread in the exact um way you want it to get that exact perfect numbers. So if you want to up your, your chances, up the stakes, or up the competition a little bit more, you can upgrade to Wolf Spreads Premium again. That's ninety nine cents per per competition, and you can finagle the line as you see fit, which is in a major benefit to me as I um as I've done very well on the Wolf Spreads front over the 
last month, specifically in the NFL, but we just wanted to shout out um, them as well. Another thing that I'd like to mention that's new to the show and something that I was inspired by because of the way we do our Football Friday picks is, yes, we finally have a UFC picks trackers. That's right. Tom and I are going to be competing against each other every week to see who can pick the most UFC correctly. We were really bad at doing this over the last two years, so I figured, well, it'll be up the stakes a little bit, and actually have some fun and keep track of our, our records week to week, so I will be manning that, so stay tuned to see who wins on a weekly basis and cumulatively as the UFC schedule. Tom, what do you think of this edition, and are you, and are you excited for it? I'm for it. You know, those who follow us across our social media pages will know that every UFC card, you and I are always posting our picks for that day. And I guess it's just a good way to really keep track and see who really does have the better picking skills. But I don't know if it's necessarily skills as it is luck sometimes, but that's just the way things roll in the wild it's world. So, so stay tuned for what we did on UFC Vegas 84 when we get to the recap. But for, for those of you who... Oh no, we now have a UFC picks tracker, so now you can see how between Tom or I how we do on a weekly basis, and then at the end of the UFC calendar where we will tally up to see um who beat who and who knows there may end up being a fun uh prize at the end and that prize is to be determined as as we have an entire calendar year to get to. But now oh, we can yeah. actually get to the stuff that's more important. Wait, San, 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 hold on, you're forgetting something. We need one more thing. We're gonna shout out we have a new producer as well. So shout out to Pat Dana, who we have been having. You know, I was introduced to Pat very recently. Uh, Pat and I were actually at the Cage Stye Press uh, Best of 2023 stream, where we talked with a couple of other MMA media members about what we thought was our best, some of the best things to happen in the sport in 2023. Pat's going to be doing some more work alongside us. So maybe you'll see him pop in every now and again on the stream. Uh, he'll be keeping track of us to make sure, you know, if we're saying anything that's wrong, if we're uncertain, uncertain about a certain fact, uh, maybe doing some blogs for us on the ETV, uh, site website, which is com. There's a lot that Pat is, you know, Pat is going to be our right-hand man for this. And I think we're very happy to have Pat. And I think their show is going to go even hot, greater lengths with Pat here. Oh, yeah. Uh, just really quick shout out to Pat. I was more than lucky to cover uh, Bellator 301 with him in Chicago, and he's just an absolute blast to be around. And he's just a great combat sports mind. So we're happy to have him here to add an extra layer of credibility to an already really entertaining show. So it's going to be the same. Show. Oh, there's just some new added bonuses now for all of you guys that tune in on a weekly basis uh, to be aware of it. And again, we're super happy to have him, and we're excited. I did see uh, the direction that the show takes for sure. All right. Very quickly, very quickly, just uh, what we missed. So the plan was to do a few of these different headlines with what we missed, but considering some recent events, we had to take some of that and put it into our actual show. But so this feels more like flux. So Conor McGregor has announced he will be returning for the, in the UFC. Finally, he will finally be fighting Michael Chandler. And a date we have right now, which Connor announced on New Year's Eve, he was said he was going to do it New Year's Day, but I digress. Uh, International Fight Week 2024, which will take place June 29th. It'll take place about a week or two earlier than we anticipated. Uh, and it's going to happen at middleweight, which I think is the, is the biggest, you know, eye-popping part of this headline here. The fact that it's happening at middleweight, which he and Chandler have, as far as I know, never fought at before. Yeah, this is definitely a very weird uh, um, discrepancy, considering, as you just alluded to, neither of these guys have fought at middleweight before. But um, at the very least, as far as we know, um, this this fight is happening, according to Conor McGregor. We've waited far too long for this fight to happen. You and I keep alluding to it. If you're going to have an entire ultimate fighter season and have neither of these guys fight and you're wasting millions and millions of people's time of, of people who were genuinely interested to see Conor McGregor's comeback fight. So now we're one step closer to that. We're now just officially waiting on confirmation from the UFC. It will not be taking place at UFC 300. It'll be taking place at the, at the June UFC pay-per-view, which is to be determined in terms of a number, but at least we are at least, 
least we are getting the fight. At least we have a date, and at least we know where it's going to be. So that's a that's a huge positive. And uh, even though the Conor McGregor fight I went to was an officially international fight week that year in twenty one that was moved to September, it really did feel like an international fight week type of feel. So it's cool to see that Conor is back on the IFW stage for the first time since since July of twenty fifteen, which is crazy to think about. So yeah, that is insane to think about, and it's insane to think about that that July twenty twenty one card, you know, wasn't International Fight Week, but that's the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one COVID years for you. Um, mm-hmm. I want to exactly. add, by the way, uh, I want to add, we're going to try not to delve into this too much. We did a whole breaking news stream when it first happened, so feel free to check that out on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network and on our uh, Facebook and X, aka Twitter platforms as well. We streamed it there as well. Um, Ariel Helwani did tweet out after uh, Connor posted that video. He was ready to go and was willing to go and wanted to go for UFC 300. But officials, I guess when he says officials, talking about UFC, talking about uh, Endeavor, potentially maybe the Saudis. There is a part right here about Saudis and Abu Dhabi, but we're not going to get to that just yet because of another recent development. So we'll hold that part for later in the show. But basically, they felt like there was a different way to best utilize Conor McGregor and his star power. And so it's International Fight Week instead. And it seems more and more likely, Zan, that it is true what I theorized on our New Year's uh, breaking news stream, that the reason it's June 29th is because the next week, the time they would normally do it, uh, WWE is hosting their Money in the Bank pay-per-view or premium live event in uh, in Toronto at the start of July. So it's what I'm theorizing that I think you're not going to see too many dates, if any at all, where WWE and a UFC pay-per-view are going to go, you know, no, on the no. same date at the same time with both companies now under Endeavor. No, I don't think no, so either. So there's that. We also had an interview. Yes, Rick Laser, who who has been a boxing businessman, has been with the sport for 33 years now. Uh, He is actually reporting, speaking of Endeavor, uh, that Endeavor, the parent company of the UFC and WWE, is in the due diligence final stages of potentially acquiring top-ranked boxing. Dana White, Bob Arum have both disputed the report, as is Harry L. Helwani, though Helwani does note that the deal would kind of make sense. Uh, given what Endeavor and Ari Emanuel's mission has been in the world of entertainment and the world of combat sports ever since Endeavor, formerly WMEIMG, purchased the UFC in 2016. And we talked with Rick, we talked about, you know, the similarities between this and the UFC's purchasing, uh, the UFC being purchased by Endeavor in 2016, why, you know, what would change under top rank, why Bob Arum and uh, Top Rank would sell to a company that involves somebody that uh, Bob Arum especially hates in Dana White. Uh, so uh, Rick had a lot of good nuggets and such. He was a lot of great insight. He was a fun guest. And yeah, go check that interview out. I'm, I'm going to slightly correct you. I don't think it's Bob Arum who hates Dana White. I think it's Bob Arum who just isn't necessarily a fan of MMA specifically, and he's even admitted in several interviews that he that he's never that he's never even but, met him. So I don't know if I would go. But Dana, but Dana despises him. But Dana despises him. Yeah, that that's 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 known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I guess in recent years, if we have the if we could have a Dana despises chart, I think De La Hoya has supplanted Aram on that list. I think so. I think so too. All right, so go check that out on our on the Empty the Bench YouTube channel. But let's get to the stuff we need to be here to talk about, which is UFC 297 this coming Saturday. Speaking of Toronto, in Toronto, uh, and it's going to be headline. I mean, it's an okay card, but I think all the attention is revolving around one fight, and that is this UFC middleweight title on the line. Sean Strickland defending against my man, Drickus Duplessis. Uh, Let's talk about it. So, Zan, the circumstances we got here, of course. Sean Strickland wins in July. Drickus Duplessis wins in July. We have the whole very controversial Adesanya DDP running in the middle of the cage. For whatever reason, 
the UFC decided, oh, we can have Adesanya in a September card. I'm certain that the DDP Whitaker winner will be ready to go in September, which was absolutely bonkers insane, and I still don't understand it to this day. And so they throw Sean Strickland in there, and then, of course, one of the greatest upsets in UFC history happens. Adesanya is still away. Obviously, there's all the talk about, you know, could he fight Pereira? The UFC throws him enough money and he maybe heals enough quicker. But regardless, he's out of the picture for right now. And so the UFC's hand, as it was in September, is now forced here. Strickland Duplessis middleweight title. And Zan, if if this fight is anything like their little run-in in the crowd last month at UFC 296 was... This is going to be flat-out insanity. You even have Strickland threatening on a very recent podcast um, saying that if DDP brings up his childhood again in another press conference to come this week, he has threatened to stab DDP. Yeah, this fight is taking on a life of its own for sure. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I think I'm more excited for this press conference and I am then I am the fight and is even if the press conference happens because you know you, you worry about those things sometimes that we might have another UFC 279 situation but nonetheless this fight has been brewing for the last couple of months now uh DDP's been chomping at the bit to get this fight um Strickland is at a meteoric rise uh to the top of the middleweight division obviously with that upset against Adesanya in Australia in September um, even though we're not getting Adesanya versus DDP, which probably would have been the biggest fight in the history of uh, the African MMA. In fact, there's no doubt about it. I think this is a very solid consolation prize. I guess, I guess one thing that I'm that I'm curious about is, I, I don't know, I just worry from DDP's sake, is his, is his dislike of Strickland and his just absolute disdain for uh, everything that Strickland stands for as a person in his opinion. Is is that going to come back to bite him at all? And if so, how is he going to be able to overcome that? Because he had to beat Robert Whitaker, or arguably the second best middleweight in the world, to get this shot, and he's been uh, clampering at this shot for a couple of years now. You you've obviously been super high on him, but what does he need to do to tune out all, all the extra noise to ensure that he, he can actually realize his dream and become UFC middleweight champion? Because I have the theory that. Adesanya may have um, over, um, may have underestimated um, Strickland a little bit, and obviously came back to bite him. And I worry the same thing might happen to DDP here. What do you think? Yeah, so I have concerns on both fronts, Zan. So I'm going to start with the Sean Strickland front, and that's a matter of that exactly what you said before about DDP. That credit to him, and that he beat Rob Whitaker to get this title shot. And you know what we've talked about, Zan, on our show about Rob Whitaker, Max Holloway, the quadruple A fighters that they beat everybody else. They just can't beat whoever's in front of them as a, as the champion. In Whitaker's case, it was Adesanya. In Holloway's case, it was Volkanovski. And then in comes Drikas Duplessis, who everybody started doubts. Even I, who have followed Drikas Duplessis, and I've been on this hype train since 2016, you know, I was a little concerned going into that Whitaker fight. And he starts Whitaker in the second round. Knocked him out like nobody has maybe other than Adesanya before. It was jaw-dropping and unbelievable to witness. So my concern on the Strickland front is Zan, before the Israel-Adesanya fight, listen to his most recent wins. Abus Magomedov, Nasruddin Imavov, Jack Hermanson, which was a split, Uriah Hall, Christoph Jocko, Brendan Allen, and then his losses were to Alex Bear and Jared Cannonier. It's not terrible, but to get a title shot off of wins over Nasruddin Imavov and Abus Magomedov, who are far from the top in the middleweight division, kind of concerns me about Strickland's ability to compete with the best, even with the upset. Even with the upset, just considering that, you know, he lost to Alex Pereira just before Pereira became the middleweight champion. And he's lost to Jared Cannonier, a former title challenger. So I'm concerned on that front. You know, Strickland beat Adesanya. So there's no doubt that Strickland has what it takes, has the potential to compete with these top stars. But to actually see it in action is a whole other thing. Meanwhile, with Drikas Duplessis, as we mentioned, 
getting the win over Rob Whitaker really spoke something. And listen to his most uh, four most recent wins, uh, Zan. Robert Whitaker, Derek Brunson, Darren Till, Brad Tavares. I kind of like Drigas Duplessis' recent competition a hell of a lot more than I like Sean Strickland's. Now on the DDP front, what concerns me is, and I've been open about it, is his cardio. He is a guy who rushes in and will bring the fight to somebody and be aggressive, which is great. But if Strickland is smart, now we've seen Strickland be not smart and, and try to trade with somebody, which happened when he fought Alex Pereira uh, a couple of years ago at International Fight Week. Uh, but was in the case of Drickus Duplessis, he'll rush out. He'll try to get aggressive and attack. If Sean Strickland's smart. Imagine if Strickland tries to hold him against the cage or bring the fight to the ground. That could present some problems for DDP. And if he's exhausted by the third round, that's not going to be good on his part. No, it won't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the biggest thing to, to take away from what you just said and something that I think people need to be aware of is, is, is the fact that, as you were kind of alluding to, the, the, the resumes just don't seem to add up. And I, I just think I wouldn't necessarily say Strickland was gifted a title shot, but off of the, off of the four wins you just said, maybe two of them, you know, Hermanson and Allen, are more impressive than his other two wins. And I don't think you can say the same about DDP. I think his last four to five wins were four or five of the most impressive wins of his entire career. But I think something to also keep in mind, too, is is I just think there's something about timing and there's something about the stars aligning. I I think that the, 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 this fight was supposed to happen as is. I, th- I think these two have been kind of in the rearview mirror and no one really expected them to fight. But but now that the buildup is what it is and the UFC 296 brawl did happen, so, um, he tells me that this fight was meant to be. And I, I think... Given everything that we said, it's it's going to be about who uh, whoever makes the first mistake in this fight. In my humble opinion, is going to it's going to, it's going to lose, and it's as simple and it's as simple as that. DDP needs to be careful that DDP needs to be careful that he doesn't get caught, and Rickwin needs to be careful that DDP doesn't take him down and try to and out wrestle him for twenty five minutes. And those two things, those two things cross examine, if you will. We. He might be we might be in for a human chest match if we've ever seen one, which is why I think when you look at it from Mob's perspective, I'm surprised that the line isn't closer because I, I not only think these are the two best middleweights in the world, but I think based on how this first fight goes, you we could very well see this fight be the first of three just because of how evenly matched they are between between one another. So that all being said, Sam, you said that whoever makes the first mistake is going to lose this fight. I just don't know because I could see Strickland holding DDP for a little bit in that first round. But I think late first round, early second, I think there's a potential that Jerkus Duplicy could rock him with something that stuns him and changes the whole direction of the fight. That it looks like, it almost reminds me, Zan, how I could see this fight playing out how Sterling versus O'Malley played out, where Sterling got the better and kind of pinned O'Malley and just prevented his offense in the first five minutes. And you think the fight's going to go in one direction. And then O'Malley caught Sterling out of nowhere, dropped him, finished him in the second round. I could see something like that playing out in this fight. Because I think as much as Drickus Duplessis, as much as DDP has the stamina issues, which will come back to bite him eventually, Maybe he comes back this fight. I don't know. I just question, as we, as you said, number one, Sean Strickland's resume with recent wins and the strength of those wins. And number two, I question, you know, you mentioned if DDP is underestimating Strickland. I'm, and I'm wondering the other way around. Is Strickland going to underestimate DDP? Or is DDP going to rile Strickland up to the point where it becomes like the Alex Pereira fight where he tries to trade with DDP and DDP catches him. I overall, and maybe it's because I've been on this hype train for too long, but I have more questions for Strickland than I do for DDP. So at this point, Stan, I think you know the direction I'm going. I've been on his hype team since 2016, watching him win the ESC Africa uh, double championships over there. 
And then he went on to win KSW, and he has been on such a rise that, like you mentioned, the stars aligning. Right now, I think the stars are aligning for one, Drickus Duplessis. My official fight prediction, second round TKO, Drickus Duplessis is the new UFC middleweight champion on Saturday. Yeah, I think we're gonna get we're gonna get an end new as oh, but I'm gonna go one step forward one step further and say that I think it's gonna be the third round and at the second. I think that I think the fight drags on a little bit and on the longer side, but I think DDP he does enough where Strickland's gonna be tired from trying to out wrestle him and he's gonna he's gonna get caught. I love it. So there's that. I've been on the hype train for too long, but at this point, you know, I'm going all the way. So let's see what happens. I'm in ZDP's corner, and I'm glad to see that you are as well. But Dan, one way or another, we are going to get an and new on Saturday. Yeah, that's exactly right, because for the UFC Women's Vacant Bantamweight Championship, we are going to get Rocky Raquel Pennington taking on Myra Bueno Silva in a fight that I think a lot of the MMA community was very disappointed about. They thought that Juliana Pena would be healed up and, and from her injury and ready to go. It appears that it's, that it's not going to be the case. So the UFC decided to go with this consolation prize instead. Um, the, this is certainly not a fight that I think the, the, the casual audience, let's put it that way, is looking forward to. But this is a high-level women's title fight, if I've ever seen when both of these women are equally skilled. Myra Bueno Silva is an excellent Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist. Uh, Rick o. Pennington is good all around and has been around the the sport of women's MMA for several years is one of the original pioneers of this division kind of started all the way back. And I think it was 2015 or 2016 or so is when her run and if you started in the UFC. So this is one of those fights that I think has been brewing for a while. Although, you know, Silva did come out of nowhere after she submitted Holly Holmes. It should definitely be a very interesting title fight. And I think it's one of those fights where you could, where, where you could flip a coin and you st- or knows and when that's a high level that this fight is. But what are your early expectations for this one? Or do you think, despite um, despite um, you know Silva's failed drug test, if you will, do you think that this is a fight that she absolutely deserves, despite her outside the octagon hardships? I mean, Sam, this is kind of an interesting fight, and I'll be clear. Yeah, if Juliana Pena was ready. This fight should be hers. I went into the women's band after Nunes retired, I went in thinking that the vacant title fight was going to be Pena versus uh, Pennington. Because you look at Pennington's four fights, she hasn't fought in a year, but her last fight was against Ketlin Vieira, was the split decision, and actually she's on a correction, a five-fight win streak. Marion Renault, Penny Casiad, Macy Chiasson, Aspen Ladd, Ketlin Vieira. And I was actually going to mention before you brought it up, Zan, technically that Holly Holmes submission is now a no contest on Silva's okay, part okay. because of the, uh, because of the, uh, what she tested positive. Oh, Ritalinic acid. That's what she that's, ended up that's testing right, positive. That's right. um, and and then said, you look and she, at. And she also said that she had no idea she had it in her system until way later or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then you look at her other wins, then. I mean, it's Lena Landsberg, Stephanie Egger, Wu Yanan, but she also fought twice in 2023. So you've got another situation here, Zan, where you've got somebody who was a little more active in 2023 versus somebody who has the experience and has the, on the high level, that is, considering that Pennington once fought Nunes for the women's Bantamweight title. And somebody who has the better resume. So at this point, you know, is Myra Bueno Silva, you know, did she earn it? Yes, I guess. Even though the no contest kind of shakes things up for me a little bit. And considering I don't think this would have been her fight if Pena was ready and the UFC chose to go in that direction. So whereas where I went with, uh, whereas where I went with, the momentum and you know youth and well, i shouldn't say youth with ddp but all the you know momentum and the hot streak with the better fight resume in the last fight here i'm gonna go with the better resume with the better experience one and i'm gonna say 
I don't think Raquel Pennington's going to do enough to finish Silva, but I think she has a lot more, a lot more experience, which will translate into more talent and better lasting of the 25 full minutes that I think that Pennington ends up coming away. The new UFC women's bantamweight champion in a, in a unanimous decision. Yeah, I'm taking Pennington as well to win this fight. I think experience is experience. And I think even though Bueno Silva deserves it, given the circumstances, I just think that, uh, as as you were to just a minute ago, Penny was ready. She probably wouldn't have gotten the fight. And I think that the, the, the no contest could maybe paint a dark cloud over her and potentially the division if she wins. So I think for the sake of the division, uh, Pennington wins and we get at the fight that we never ever got to see, which is Pena versus Pennington, probably at some point mid to late twenty twenty four. So give me uh give me Pennington in the close one though. I actually think it's gonna be by split decision. I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be unanimous. I think it's gonna be very competitive, uh back and forth in Pennington and we'll have to rally in four and five uh to in the UFC women's bantamweight titles. There's my pick for that. And Zen, I'm gonna Top hop on you when you say experience is experience, especially when some of that experience comes against the goat, the women's That's MMA. True. Goat. It's very uh, true. The rest of the cards, then, I mean, okay, I'm not exactly excited. I'm glad the UFC, you know, didn't raise the pay per view prices like we thought they were going to, and that they actually offered the discount, which actually expired uh, the other day. But I mean, Neil Magny versus Mike. A lot before the fight, right before the two title fights, I like Neil Magny, but this kind of fight, right before the two title fights, that that's, that doesn't scream featured bout to me. Yeah, this is going to be whoever can get the most takedowns is is going to is, is going to win the fight. Is it is it not? That's what this fight screams as to me. Two ground specialists just going for takedowns, and you know, I think Neil. This is another one of those cases where. Experience is just gonna try is just gonna triumph. So I'm yeah, gonna go is, back. Yeah, this this is almost a great uh, best bet to take the over for two and a half rounds because I don't see I don't see a finish in this fight either. So give me um I mean as you can take the opposite though and given at this isn't for I know Canada I actually I'm gonna give a little love to Mike Mullat and see that he pulls up this upset, but it it it, it is. Going to be, it is going to be by decision though. He's not going to, he's not going to finish. Uh, Magnino. I just think there are sometimes these these themed cards in these certain countries where the main country can do pretty well, and I I actually see him uh, winning winning one for the Canadian side of things. So, so a fun tidbit that uh, Patrick actually brought to our attention that I now see now looking again at Mike Malata Wikipedia page. He hasn't ever gone to a decision. His, his last few fights, here's his record. He fought Shimon Smotrisky on Dana White Contender Series, got the submission in 39 seconds. First round finish of Mickey Gall. First round submission of Johan Lenez. And the second round submission of Adam Fugit at UFC 289 back in June. Yeah, I don't see how he finishes uh, Magni. I think that Magni. He's too tough for his own good. So I actually think that that, that Malat's going to go to his first decision either way, whether he, whether he went through his but shout out to our, our producer for the tidbit, and that is definitely something to keep in mind. I, I will say, in this fight. yeah, I will say if Malat, if Malat manages to submit Magni, that's going to do huge things for him. That being said, I'm kind of with you. I think the best bet, uh, our MMA outsider's best bet, if you will, for this card would be Magni versus Malat over two and a half rounds. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Just just because given Magni's experience. And similarly, Zan, Chris Curtis versus Mark Andre Barriolt. Now I remember when Mark Andre Barriolt came onto the UFC scene. He had he had just been the TKO champion in Canada. So another Canadian uh competing on this main card. Uh it was a rough start for him. He, I think, ended up losing two uh yeah, he had no, he lost three straight then had a no contest and he was in a basically must win scenarios. And since then he's won five of seven Uh, in his most two recent wins, the two fights he had in 2023 TKO of Julian Marquez and unanimous decision over Eric, your boy Anders. And because I never 
forget to do this because we never really get to talk about Eric Anders oh, until he comes up. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, say this is another one of those things where it's like, you look, Julia Marquez, Eric Anders taking on somebody, uh, taking on somebody like a guy like a Chris Curtis who has been around the game for a while. Uh, he hasn't had a win yet. He didn't get a win in 2023. He lost to Kelvin Gaslam on that decision. Uh, he fought Nasruddin Imavov, who we brought up before with uh, Strickland. No contest, accidental clash of heads at UFC 289. So I can get the feeling of why some people would feel like Barry Ol could get the win here. And again, this is another one of those fights where, like I said with lot, there could be great things for Marc-Andre Belliot if he gets the win. And I think Chris Curtis is still... Is he still ranked? I have to double check. But I could see Marc-Andre Barriol with a win, potentially getting maybe that number 15 spot. He is still ranked number 13, according to at least the UFC rankings at the time we're recording this. So, yeah, if, if Barriol wins, he's getting a ranking here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think, again, this is another one of those fights where I just think um, even even though Curtis did not win in the calendar year last year, he's definitely a lot more of an exciting fighter. And I think that that Ezra uh, Dean a fight and the Kelvin Gastelum loss, both of those just gave him a bit of a taste in his mouth. And I don't think he wants to experience it again. And so I actually like Chris Curtis to win this fight in the second round by TKO and get it back to his winning ways and do it in the in the only Curtis Curtis fashion, you know, it's how, which is just a wild slugfest. But, you know, I think it'll be a great fight and it has a chance to be either a performance of the night potential or a fight of the night potential for sure on Saturday night. Yeah. So the more I'm looking into this fight, the more I like it. And I know Marc-Andre Barriol has uh, some great ground ability, but I could see this also being one of those fights where both men just throw their power shots. And I think Chris Curtis just has a little more in the tank. So I'm going to side with Curtis. You said second round. Mm-hmm. I'm going to side with you. I'm also going to go with a second round TKO finish for Curtis. A little get back win. A get. I guess we could call it the get right matchup. Like we say the get right matchups in football during the regular season. Get right matchup here for Curtis. Get a win and then get back to some winning ways. However, Sam, the opening bout of the pay-per-view card really interests me. Considering that it was not long ago, Arnold Allen was fighting Max Holloway. And if he had won that fight, he would have gotten the title shot. And now here, we're going to have Arnold Allen taking on Movsar Evalev. Yeah, I mean, this should be a very high-level fight in a division. And for sure, this is um, Movsar's biggest step up in competition. And considering Arnold Allen has fought over the last couple of years, Evil of is a guy that should not be taken lightly. So it should be a high octane action pack, uh, fast He's fight where I don't see how this fight goes the distance number one. And I actually don't see this fight seeing the third round, uh, as my, as my second point there. Which is funny that you say that, Zan, because the last time, uh, Ivalev wasn't involved in a decision, you have to go back to his fight right before he jumped to the UFC, uh, July of 2018 where he knocked out Rafael Diaz to uh, retain the M1 Global Bantamweight Championship uh, at M1 Challenge 95. So yeah, it's, definitely, it's definitely a long time. And think about how long Arnold Ar- 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 Allen has been, has been around the sport and been around the UFC too. It's been several, it's been several years. And considering the names that Arnold Allen has beat, he, he more than deserves being a rightful uh, contender in the, a division, and it's crazy that um, Evil has just been involved in uh, in in, fi- in fire fights over the last several years. So it's very unique that you bring that up for sure. Arnold Allen from from uh, producer Pat. Arnold Allen has also had seven of eleven go to distance in his UFC career. So I'm actually going to lean to this fight going to a decision, Sam. But I mean, Evil, he's definitely one that. Yeah, Arnold Allen is towards the top of that featherweight division. But his track record can't be denied, especially his most recent three, Zan, that he's had. He's only fought once over uh, in each of the last three years. But Akeem Dawadu, Dan Ige, and Diego Lopez. And Diego Lopez, I remember when 
Producer Pat and I were at the Cage Side Press uh, Best of 2023 uh, uh, filming. We had a lot of talk about Diego Lopez and about his potential for 2024. And the mm-hmm. fact that Evil yeah. got the win over him uh, in a fun kind of fight really s- spells potentially some trouble for Arnold Allen. That said, I think Arnold Allen has been around the top for too long. He's had such a meteoric rise that I think that Allen's going to get the decision win here, but whereas you talked about potentially Chris Curtis versus Marc-Andre Barriel being a fight of the night, I think this also has the potential to take fight of the night away from uh, potentially Strickland versus DDP. So I say Allen by decision, but I think this one's going to be fun and back and forth. Yeah, it'll be back and forth. I, I do think that Allen has secured a late second round finish, but I could see I could see this going the distance as well. Either way, it'll be a very, very um, exciting fight and one that um, people who purchase the pay-per-view this weekend should definitely not miss, for sure. I honestly think, Zan, I honestly think what should have been done uh, by, the U- by the UFC, I think they should have moved this fight to right before the two title fights opened up to open up with Banks, still open up with Curtis versus Barry Alt, and then put Neil Magny versus Mike Mullot there. Yeah, you could have very well easily done it, but the bowed order is the bowed order, and we can do nothing about it other than sit here and wonder what could have been, Tom. Yeah, I know. Uh, feature prelim, by the way, Brad Katana versus Garrett Arnfield. This is Sanoa Katana's first fight in the octagon since he won uh, Tough 31 and became the first uh, two-time Tough winner. Yeah, I don't see how Katana loses in Canada, no matter who, no, no matter who he's fighting. Yeah, I all, just, you know, first I can't, fight since I can't, Tough 31. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I can't, I can't see that. Yeah, first fight since Tough 31. Fighting in Canada, there's no way, and especially when he and uh, Cody Gibson ended up having the fight of the night at UFC 292, it was so fun. Uh, including tough, more notes from Pat. Including tough, ten of Katana's last eleven have gone the distance. Onfield has not went the distance in eight of his last nine. So one of those streaks is going to end up, you know, going up in smokes. And I think it's crazy. That- yeah, I, and I think it's going to be Brad Katana uh, getting a finish of uh, Garrett Armfield just to rile up the crowd more right before the main card starts. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go second round sub for Katana. I'm going to go Morgan over to and say that Katana picks up a decision win, but I could see this fight being a finish too. Either way, I just don't see how Katana loses uh, loses in his hometown in front of I'm. Sure or I'm sure a bunch of his friends who demanded that they, that, they would, that they would be either to see him fight. So we are picking Katana, and I could and I could easily see that being the case. All right. Moving off now from UFC 297, as we have about 15, 20 minutes left in the recording, let's talk about some of the news that's been presented to us. Let's start with a recap. Magomed Ankalaev. I mean, no controversies this time. He just nope. flat out dropped Walker. Completely, I mean, the overhand right that he hits him with, following up with the uppercut, that was vicious. That shows you the power that Ankaliyev has, and why you don't take a rematch with Ankaliyev because it always seems like in the rematch, and you saw this too with Ayana Kutilava, uh, that basically he always comes out with uh, a lot more momentum in a rematch, a lot more focus, and credit to him. This is why I've been advocating for him all of 2023 to get a title shot in spite of Dana White's hatred for him. Yeah, and I think he made his stance very clear at his um, in-octagon post-fight interview that he wants the title shot now. He he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it tomorrow. He doesn't want it next week. He doesn't want it next month. He wants it now. Well, and did you see if he actually gets the title shot this time around remains to be seen. But now I can happily present our... Our brand new recently developed UFC picks tracker by yours truly. Um, Tom edged me for our UFC Vegas 84 little pick em competition going eight and three, whereas it went seven and four. But we, we both had my argument on Kaliev, um and Miller to say if our dreadful losing streaks after hot starts on the prelims. So there you go. There you go with that. Um, 
Yeah, Ankawai would rip. Put Miller on 300 already, Dana. I, I, I know. I know. Well, hopefully it ends up being Jim Miller versus Paul Felder, but that, 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 that remains, that remains to be seen. I have to ask some, 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 somehow, some way, Jim Miller versus Brock Lesnar somehow, someone could sanction. But, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, this was a, sorry, go, no, no, sorry, go ahead. Just to go back to the Ankalaev's point, if Alex Pereira was in the crowd at the UFC Apex, he would have jumped the cage, grabbed Pereira, and threw him in the cage to have the fight right then and there. He was that hot. That's true. So as uh, as Pat would do in the chat on Kalaev is the fourth one on his UFC winning streak behind John Jones, Islam, Makachev, and, Leon, and, Leon, and Edwards with 10 consecutive wins. So Ankalaev looked very has been Definitely someone who has more than earned his chance to fight for a UFC light heavyweight title once again. No, no, no doubt. No doubt about it. I'm for that. The problem is, it seems like Pereira, according to recent reports, the the UFC's May pay-per-view will be back in Brazil as it was back in uh, 2019 uh, before, you know, the COVID years kind of screwed everything up with the scheduling. Um. And it's likely Pereira would defend the light heavyweight championship there. The only thing is, I'm I'm all for Ankalaev getting that title shot. And like I said, I was yelling at him, yelling for him to get a title shot all of 2023. But if Jamal Hill's ready by that point, you, you'd have to put him first, right? Uh, Brazil, actually, right before we start recording, thank you, Pat. Brazil has been confirmed. It will be in May as the pay per view. Okay, so we get ten to ten depends to win Jamal Hill versus uh, Alex. Bur- as the fight for the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship, and we even have May a date 4th. May fourth. May the fourth be with you. <laughs> which means, Tom, would you would you who guess that this is going to fall on the same night as a Canelo Alvarez pay per view against David Benavidez, or do you think they'll move it a week? What do you What do you think? I, I think I think I think Dana wouldn't be afraid to take on Canelo. He's already taken on Canelo before. They t- remember, Sam, end of twenty nineteen because I was there for that fight week. They took Canelo Kovalev and they put it at one or one thirty in the morning Eastern time just to watch, just so everyone could watch Diaz versus Masvidal. I know, I know. And uh, Dana laughed at it and said it was one of the dumbest business decisions he'd ever seen. So. <laughs> So he's not going to be afraid to take on Canelo. So I, I definitely see May for Alex Pereira versus Jamal Hill, and then I guess then, especially Pereira wins, Ankalaev gets winner. I, I, unless of course Pereira loses, then you can see a rematch, and Ankalaev has to fight again. But that's I, 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 I think so oh, too. I think you can pencil in right now. Here's my prediction. I think you can pencil in the winner of Hill for for fighting Ankalaev in the main event of the UFC Abu Dhabi card in October. And sealed deliver. That's what that's what oh. I think. Just throwing it, just just throwing it out there. There's your, there's your potential right. Abu Dhabi main event for October 2024. I just made it. I just made it for you. Done. <laughs> well, since you're gonna bring up Abu Dhabi, let's just go to the story about the Middle East now, which is a little more of a recent breaking news story. It's kind of breaking at the time that we're recording this. UFC Saudi Arabia, which was originally scheduled for March uh, 2nd, uh, rumors were that it was going to be uh, Shavkat versus Usman as a potential main event there. That has been pushed back to June. In the words of Ariel Helwani, trying to word it in a professional way, uh, apparently Saudi officials were looking for a more entertaining fight card. So they pushed it back to June likely June 8th with a rumor that Islam Makachev versus Justin Gagey for the UFC lightweight championship would headline that card. So the presumption also was therefore that it would go from a fight night card to a pay-per-view card. So there's a potential we could have two June pay-per-views in a four week span given uh, Saudi Arabia and then international fight week with McGregor and Chandler. Yeah, we definitely have major appetite for MMA fans, but I don't, I don't think anyone would be opposed to it. Um, this is the right move by the promotion. We get to see Makachev versus Gagey. It's in the place it should be. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all, 
afforded this of no complaints considering that March and April are going to be busy months for the UFC as it is. So I think from a business perspective, this is the absolute the right move. What do you, what do you think? I think, you know, let's be clear. And I think even El- Helwani said it on his show. I was honestly surprised that Saudi Arabia was only going to get a fight night because with Abu Dhabi always getting a pay-per-view every October, you would expect that Saudi Arabia, given all the money that they're giving to both the UFC and to PFL, and that PFL is giving them pay-per-views. Hell, there's rumors. We'll get to it in a second. PFL Bellator Champions card could be there. The PFL World Championships for 2024 could be there. I'm surprised that the UFC wasn't going to give them a pay-per-view in the first place. I mean, they're they're going to have, I think, three cards, they said. But I, I would have assumed that the first card was going to be a pay-per-view. So it makes all the sense in the world. But I'm glad you brought up the Ankalaev thing. Because that's actually a good argument for giving Ankalaev the title shot. Because if Makashev versus Gaethje is going to main event June, and given the kind of fighters that Makashev and Gaethje are, is one of them really going to be ready in three and a half months to defend the lightweight championship against somebody or a potential rematch? I don't know. So I feel I, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say no, because I think the UFC would run into the same situation that they had with the Australia debacle where they blew it and made the fight on two weeks notice. That's what, that's what I, that's what, that's, that's what I think. But I think, Zan, with more expansion in the Middle East for combat sports, this is a situation the UFC is going to be in, where you're going to have, as long as Islam is the champ, you're going to have Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi fighting for his star power. Mm -hmm. Unless, Um, almost like fighting for television rights in football, but this is MME's version of it, where they're basically fighting for territories at this point. So unless Zan. You know, unless Ankalaev or Hamza Chimaev end up getting title shots and winning their fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a lot to think about. But we, but, but I think moving the card to June definitely helps us because it builds the mockage of Gaethje fight more, and Saudi Arabia gets to have all, all the money. So I guess it's good for all of the partners. And, and I am assuming, yeah. though, that the March 2nd card will remain and they'll just have to relocate it, which tells me, Zan, Apex, Apex, Apex. Yeah, unfortunately, we might end up getting another Apex show or who knows actually um, because, I'm, because I'm such a sickle, I'm going to do it. But um, Oh, hold but on. I, Let me get the... <laughs> this is where you're going, right? Yeah, so, so in case you guys haven't watched the show before I've been advocating for a UFC event to come to my home city for the last several years because they keep robbing us of a UFC event every single year and have since 2019. So I'm just going to see if there's any possibility that the United Center is open on March 2nd. And unfortunately, it isn't because the Chicago Blackhawks have a game. So if. Oh. <laughs> So if, if they were to move it to a fight night venue, it would not be in my city, unfortunately. So <laughs> well, what about the uh what about the Allstate Arena in Rosemont? Well, they've done it before, but I think I think the UFC is, is too is too big for that now. They they used to they used to do it, Fair but enough. they don't they don't they don't do it. They don't do it anymore. And I don't think the UFC is willing to invest when Allstate Arena is half the size of the United Center, but yeah. Fair so enough. um Anyways, uh, let's also just quickly to note UFC 300. So we do have some fights. Weili Zhang versus Yang Xianan for the women's strawweight title, which, oh, give me that. I have been anticipating that fight for a while. I cannot wait to see this fight in action and to see it at UFC 300 is going to be great. Main event is still to be announced. They're, they're kind of stacking the undercard with some names. Aljo's been thrown on there. But the big rumor at this point Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. Now, it seems like that fight is going to happen at UFC 300. They haven't officially announced it as the main event, but given the circumstances, Zan, it's looking likely that Edwards Bilal will be the main event of UFC 300. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it. But I just want to call, I just want to call something out. And I never, and I, and I never do this on this yeah, show. Yeah, you never call out. And I, and I, and I, and I try to be as humble as possible, but. I'd like to 
and I, I'd like to send a little verbal message to uh just someone to just someone in the MMA community that made a video on the way we purchased Yon Shonan for eight to just absolutely just really 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 me in my blood boil. You mean to tell me, Lucas Tracy, that way we versus Yon Shonan does not deserve to be on UFC 300 because I think a lot of the hardcore fans would say otherwise. That is a women's MMA fight fans dream. Why not? Why not give two of the best uh, female MMA fighters in the sport of the sh- and that the sh- and that they deserve? So this fight being on UFC 300, even though it probably should have been in China, I am totally okay with it as a consolation prize. And I do not. I think it needed a 30 minute video. Experience. Any why it makes sense. So she aim on you for for is respecting one of the best fights of the year because of the because the card placement was in your ideal scenarios. That that's my that's my message to him. And 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 the thing is, Zan, if if first of all, if you're gonna tell me Weili Zhang, Yang Zhanan are boring or don't deserve to be on UFC 300, go actually watch their fights. Go actually watch I, uh, their fights because that's insanely disrespectful. Uh, and second of all. It's your, I, and second of all, I get, I I forget that this was. I think this might have been Helwani or might have been Luke okay. Thomas, but explaining that you know for business sake, you know, considering that UFC 300 is a fight is a card that you know hardcores like you and me are going to purchase for the historical significance. You know, doing something like the like the UFC official brass is doing, like moving Conor McGregor off of UFC 300. Uh, I know Pat did put a note, but I seem to have lost. Okay, there we go. My mouse placement was weird. Uh, oh, Pantoja also wants to defend on May fourth. All right, so that's interesting. Uh, I'm about to hit the hour mark. Yeah, so we got to keep this moving a little bit. But my thing is, I get why they're talking about. I get what they were talking about about you know for business sake, put Conor McGregor on something else. But and this is no disrespect to Leon. And this is not a disrespect to Bilal because I love Bilal and I think he does deserve a title shot in spite of what other people think. If that's going to be your main event, you know, and you're not going to have the star power like with an O'Malley or Connor or anything on 300, you need the title fights. So Whaley and Yan are available. So here you go. You just gave two title fights and a stack card, which is what UFC 300 needs. And that was and which is why I just completely disagree with. At this video, and I think, and I, I think the fight is going to over deliver. And I honestly don't even think it matters what card it, it is on because because the fight sells itself and is going to deliver. And it happens to be that it's that it's a monumental fight for Chinese MMA, and it has to be, and it happens to be one of the biggest MMA in recent memory. And therefore, I don't have any, I don't have any issues with it whatsoever. Neither do I. Bye. All right. Quickly, because we got it. This is a big story that we also got to talk about. So, Day of Reckoning obviously happened during the time we were on hiatus. Uh, Anthony Joshua ended up getting his win uh, over Otto Wallen. However, Deontay Wilder just completely bleeped the bed and lost to Joseph Parker in a one-sided decision. As a result, they are going to take that March 8th date that was reserved for Joshua versus Wilder and they are now making Joshua versus Francis Ngannou. And now Zeli uh, Zhang, who has been the interim WBO heavyweight champion, will also compete in the, on the card in the co-main event slot. Originally, according to Chris Mannix, the plan was Deontay Wilder. However, now that fight has been given to Joseph Parker. So uh, RIP Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder forever and ever at this point. I'm shocked that you know, Francis Ngannou is going to be competing. You know, I mean, I shouldn't say shocked. He, I mean, he he went toe-to-toe with the WBC heavyweight champion in Tyson Fury, but Francis Ngannou, you know, for those who are saying he fumbled the bag, uh, continuing to prove he did not fumble the bag in spite no, of what you may think. And third of all, Zan, uh, once again... Because, of course, it does. It's like we say every single week, but, yeah, I mean, that's the hand that they were dealt, and... uh Saudi Arabia is going to Saudi Arabia, and these are the two fights that you end up with. And uh, I don't have a pick for either because these are completely fresh fights. But uh, it, it definitely makes that whole week of March, March eighth, March 9th, super enticing, considering that you have UFC two ninety nine the following day. So it's 
going to be combat sports heaven that weekend for sure. And uh, these two fights should over deliver and then some. So I'm very much looking forward to it. And- well, Zan, there's two weekends where you have um, insanity when again heart and uh, combat sports heaven because you've got these this fight on March 8th and as you said to UFC 299 March 9th, and then you have on February 17th, a month before. Fury Usyk for the undisputed heavyweight title and UFC 298 on the same day. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's almost it's almost like we're living in a fantasy world, but it's actually reality. But yeah, it's crazy to think about. All right, but I mentioned Fury Usyk, so there's a second part to the story that's also kind of breaking news at the time we're recording this. This news kind of coming out about 30 hours or so ago at the time that we're premiering the episode. His Excellency, Turkai, I believe it's pronounced Allah. Alashik. Uh he wants the Joshua and Ghana winner from March 8th to fight the winner of Fury Usyk for the undisputed heavyweight championship, which is nuts. But I mean, it can, if what Rick Glaser kind of told us in December was true, Zan, you know, the boxing commissions, the ABC of uh, alphabet organizations, they're going to bow down to what the Saudis want. You kind of alluded it to it before, Zam. We were talking about the UFC and Saudi Arabia. At this point, that's the direction that sports world, not just the UFC or boxing or combat, but the sports world has been taken. Uh, so I guess this is what we're going to get. Yeah, this is what we're going to get for sure. And um, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where I think if it makes dollars, it makes sense. And I think all the promoters involved, probably 10 plus promoters involved, <laughs> Think that this is what's going to draw the most eyeballs, and this is what we're going to get. And no disrespect to any of the to any of the boxers involved, but but I think that Francis Ninga kind of really drives this narrative, which goes back to our original point. Good for him; he's in the boxing business now, and he's getting the amount of money that he feel that he feels he deserves in the big fights that he deserves. And uh, this is where he reaps the rewards. And here you go. So. But that brings up, but that brings about two things, Dan. One, as we kind of alluded to before the show, if you're Philip Hergovich, who was number one in the IBF, and the IBF had said that if they went with the rematch, they were going to strip the Fury Usyk winner and make uh, Hergovic versus Joshua for the vacant title. If you're Hergovic, you're absolutely fuming right now. Oh, for sure, for sure. There's going to be stuff coming out about Hergovic probably in the next few. days. Each of the next week, I'm sure, given given that these developments are literally just breaking at the time that we're recording this. So, and number two, and, and number two, which has been a point that's been debated about on MMA Twitter, is Ngannou ever actually going to fight in the PFL? It's very questionable at this point. Very, very questionable. And if not, is there a way that the PFL can still use his star power? I mean. He is still going to be the man in charge of the PFL Africa promotion. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Very quickly. Uh, last three headlines. little rapid fire. A uh, little big finish, if you will, for PTI fans. Uh, on that note, PFL Bellator Champions pay-per-view card. Reports coming out starting with Al Zolino, February 24th, Saudi Arabia. I'm interested to see what they're going to actually pull off with this, considering, you know, OAM retired, considering what Chris Cyborg was saying. Although Cyborg is claiming that Kayla Harrison rejected a fight, so I guess there, you know, will be no qualms if we get Cyborg versus uh, Larissa Pacheco after all as a potential, not just a potential fight in this card, but a potential headliner for this card. I know Cyborg fighting this weekend in her boxing uh, match, boxing return. So a lot of questions, but I would be happy if this was the PFL kickoff event for 2024 still. Yeah, I think so yeah, too. And it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with this card, considering that now it's going to be in Saudi Arabia, and I'm sure that it wants to overexceed Saudi Arabia's expectations, which means the PF is a major challenge to live up to. And let's see if they can actually do it this time. So for sure, uh, Nate. Speaking of boxing, Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal to rematch in boxing, supposedly I, in March. I, I don't. When I, I I don't buy this for a second. I I don't even I don't even think this fight happens. I think even though it is being reported, I think it's kind of all speculative. At the same time, I'll believe it when they actually step in the ring. Other, other, otherwise, no no way. 
I would have thought I would have thought that Masvidal. I know Masvidal had the unretired tweet, but I was thinking at first maybe bare knuckle or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then speaking of boxing, one last thing here: Jake Paul has announced his return to the ring March second. He'll be the co-main event. He won't be a main event. He'll be the co-main to the Amanda Serrano card in Puerto Rico. We still don't have an opponent as of the time we're recording this, so I'm assuming it's another tomato can fight. That would be my guess, too, and it remains to be seen what happens with that, but now it's going to be the only show in town, considering that the UFC moved her date. So congratulations to Jake Paul being the biggest combat sports event of that weekend, specifically. So, there you go. It's a golf clap. That's what Jake Paul gets at this point, is a golf clap. Because, I mean, what a fall. Going from, you know, the main events like fighting Nate Diaz to now being the co-main event. No disrespect. This is not, not on Serrano. It's set out. Jake Paul now being a co-headliner. And we already Crazy. talked about the idea of, you know, like I talked with Pat and the others at the uh, KHI Press stuff about, is Jake, could Jake Paul realistically be a PFL main eventer if they go with one of the pay-per-views, especially if Francis doesn't fight? But I just don't know. I don't know. Either and at this point, I would lean more 70-30. I doubt it. All right. So that's that was a lot of material, but that is actually going to do it for this first edition of the MMA Outsiders for 2024. Once again, big shout out to Wolf Spreads for being the new sponsor, you know, network-wide sponsor for the entire network. So, so shout out to them. We look forward to working with them. We already have with Football Friday. We look forward to the expansion, maybe some other stuff for the podcast network down the line. But for now, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Make sure to follow us across social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram, at MMA Outsiders ETB. Make sure to follow the network on Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok at ETB Network. Once again, to my right, as always, is Zambando. Find his work over at BJPen.com and then they knock out. You can find, uh, follow him on social media at Zambando99. I'm Tom Bando, contributor to MMA News, fans of MMA. And you can find me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. Once again, shout out to Pat Dana, uh, our new producer for the show, always being our right-hand man. You can find him on social media at Pat Dana MMA. Uh, those of you who are listening, you know, who are watching us on YouTube, thank you so much. And don't forget to check out our audio-only platforms, ACAST, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so much more. If you are listening on those audio-only platforms, make sure to come to our YouTube home, youtube.com slash ETV Network. Hit the subscribe button, just passing the 660 subscriber mark, continuing the climb to 700. And uh, go to, don't forget to go to etvpodcast.com. More information about the network, blogs, and so much more. All right. I think we're good. I think that's our first show. We can officially I wrap up. So. I, I think so, too. Thank you again for tuning in. And it was an absolute thrill. And we will see you back here next week for episode 68 of the MMA Outsiders, where we, where, where we will reach up UFC 297 and so much more. But until then, and before we tell you, you'll who enjoyed the fights? We just want to remind you to be Joe Pye for another great start to the MMA calendar in 2024. See you guys soon. Be Joe Piper. All right. For Zan and Pat, I'm Tom. We'll see you next week for MMA Outsiders episode 68. Take care, all. Take care. See you soon. 